0: Well, good morning, church. So good to see you all again. Uh, My wife and I, Lauren, were here a few months ago. So it's really fun to come back and see some familiar faces again and uh, make some new friends. That's a beautiful thing about being in a partnership in Sovereign Grace is to have these relationships and these connections. So great to be back. Uh, Grateful to be here. I want to make that very clear. I want to thank Ron, too, for extending the invitation Uh, humbled, I'm grateful, and I'm excited to dive into the Word with you all this morning. So we're actually going to be in the book of Joshua this morning, Joshua chapter 1. So if you can go ahead and please turn there with me in your Bibles, Joshua 1 verses 1 through 9. 1 through 9. And this is a passage that I love, and it's one that has had a profound impact on my life, and I pray that you will be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord when you leave this place from this passage. That's my goal, is to strengthen you and to encourage you in the Lord this morning from the book of Joshua. So what I want to do is, is I want to focus on an issue that I have become convinced Absolutely convinced is one of the most important issues for the Christian today, and that is the presence of God. It's the presence of God, particularly God's promised presence to his people. So I recently came across a a brilliant theologian uh, who said this. He said that it is crucial that we develop a sense of thinking and speaking in the presence of God. That it is crucial that we develop a sense of thinking and speaking, so, so living in the presence of God. Okay, now understand, too, that, that this, was, this was a brilliant guy. This was a brilliant man, okay? He's gifted with, with world-class intellect, a respected teacher, decades of study under his belt, you name it. And when asked about the most important conclusions of his life and his work... He answered with this beautiful yet simple answer and it's that we must acknowledge the presence of God in our lives. We have to acknowledge the presence of God in our lives so it is crucial that we develop a profound and a deep belief of God's presence in the world and in our lives among His people. Because if we lose sight of this truth. If we lose sight of God's presence, it just results in just distracted lives, shallow lives, and a weak faith. So we got to hold on to it. We uh, we, We see God's promised presence, the implications of it for our lives very clearly in Joshua 1. That's why I love this passage. The presence and implications of it for our lives. So we're going we're to begin reading in Joshua. What's going on here is that the Lord is commissioning Joshua to take over leadership of the nation of Israel after the death of Moses. This is Joshua's commission. And the nation of Israel, they're about to go and conquer the promised land. Okay, that's, that's they're looking at the promised land. They're about to go into it. And that's where we jump in. It's the commission of Joshua. So if you would, please look with me here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Amen. A beautiful passage. And I ask if you bow your heads with me, just so we could pray, just ask the Lord's help before we before we dive in. So please pray with me. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for giving us your word. We ask, Holy Spirit, that that you would enlighten our minds, that we might know you as you are so that we can properly love you and praise you. Lord, let us, let us know and experience the power of your presence this morning. Let us be aware of your presence. And let us live as if you are here, Lord, because you are here. So Lord, I pray that you'd give me grace to, to communicate this clearly and powerfully. Give us receptive hearts, Lord. We can't wait to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Joshua had a huge task ahead of him. A huge task. But the Lord promised to be with him. And everything in this passage hinges on the Lord's presence. you got to catch that. Everything in this passage hinges on the Lord's presence and ultimately his faithfulness. So what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're going to look at this through two points. It's two points. One, the road is long. The road is long. But point two, God is with you. The Lord is with you. The road is long, but the Lord is with you. So my desire for you, church, is the same charge given to Joshua. Joshua. And I hope, I hope that you leave here with these words just resonating in your mind. Be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So Let's begin. Point one, the road is long. So now really to, to really understand how to apply this passage to our lives, we have to understand a bit of the context. We need to understand a bit of what's going on, okay? There's, there's a long road ahead for the Israelites. They're just getting started here, and it, it didn't look easy, okay? It would not have looked easy. They were, they were facing physical perils, okay? There's, there's uh, distractions everywhere. There's other nations that are inhabiting the land. And what they had to hold on to was the promise of God's Presence. So now, looking back a little bit for Joshua into the book of Genesis, God made a covenant to Abraham. Okay, God made a covenant to Abraham that God would raise up a people of His own, and God is faithful to His promise. So He He keeps raising up leaders to accomplish this task, and then right here in Joshua, in verse one, the promises, the leadership, the mission—it's all passed on to Joshua. So there would have been this this expectation that God would give his people land, that God would dwell among his people, and in turn, that his people would obey God. That's the expectation here, okay? But really, even in these first four verses, just at the very beginning, perhaps it would have been easy to question that God would do all this. It could have been easy to question it, okay? So cross the Jordan River, capture the land. Sounds easy. It's not easy. So from a human perspective, that's kind of a formidable task, okay? Crossing the Jordan probably wasn't going to be easy for one person, but they had an entire nation that needed to cross the river. There were, there's steep slopes, there's jagged rocks, there's moving water. But the biggest issue, apart from the river, is that the land is full of, there's opposing nations. It's full of opposing nations, like the Hittites mentioned in verse 4 that some of these nations, they're, they're bigger, and they are stronger than Israel. And apart from the brute force, apart from just sheer strength, they, they follow different gods. They follow different customs, different traditions. So the land is full of spiritual temptation, and it's full of potential distractions. So really, the Lord's command would have invited faith And trust on Joshua's behalf. It would have invited faith and trust on Joshua's behalf. And what is just so outstanding here? What is so outstanding here is what speaks to the grace and the love of our God for his people is that he follows his command with a promise. Okay? He gives them hope, he gives them a guarantee to hold on to. That's verse 5. Verse 5. And verse 5 says that no man shall be able to to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. That's an amazing promise. So Joshua's success, all I have to say, Joshua's success in doing this, in completing this formidable task, this is founded on the Lord's presence. The Lord must be there. They could do this only because the Lord is with his people. So Joshua has to cling to this promise for success. Okay, so Joshua doesn't know, he doesn't know the exact path to the end goal, okay? He doesn't know all the details of how he's going to get to this end goal, but he knows what the end goal is, and he knows who is with him. We often don't know the details, but we know who is with us. And so the Lord will... Will always do. Will always do what He has promised, and I love this. It, there's just no ambiguity here as you're reading this. Okay, it's it is perfectly clear. The language is absolute. The Lord will do what He has promised, and in fact, I, I love this. So you get a little bit ahead in the book, uh, into Joshua chapters 13 and 19. And Joshua, at that point, you know he's he's about to die, but there's still a lot of land left to conquer and. It goes into a lot of detail about how to divide the land. And so this land is, they're talking about what to do with the land before it's even conquered, okay? I love that. That's confidence. They're talking about what they want to do with the land before it is even conquered. The Lord's presence invites confidence. It invites confidence. So, So friends, that's where I want to bring us in here. That's where I want to get us thinking, is I want to direct our attention to the actual foundation of our trust. I want to direct our attention to the foundation of our trust because we need a conviction that that foundation, that God's presence is actually a reality regardless of what we feel, regardless of what we think or face or struggle with. We need a conviction that God's presence is a reality. A deep belief of God's presence, that he is here with me That He's here with you, and the Lord will do what He says He will do. If He promised it, He will do it. We've got to have that conviction. But of course, with us, there's always an issue. We are sinners, and the presence of God is often problematic for us. That's the issue, is the presence of God is often problematic for us. And what I mean by that is that Christians often have a hard time believing that God is with us. We often have a hard time believing that God is with us. Oftentimes we, we don't feel it. You know, we might feel like God is far away from us. We, you know, we might not even feel near to God. You know, we can also ask this, too. We can ask, is, is the reality of God's presence something that we think about daily? Is it something that we think about daily. How often do you ponder the presence of God? How often? Is your focus dominated by things that are seen, things that are seen like your your circumstances, your worldly distractions, or is your focus dominated by things that are unseen, which is the reality of the presence of God? How often do you think about it? You see, we, even if we don't feel it Even if we don't understand it, the reality of his presence and promise of his presence is what you, like Joshua, you have to make your claim on it. The reality of his presence is what you have to cling to. You have to cling to his promises. See, if we don't think about it, it's it's no wonder that we don't consistently live as if God isn't here. We can't lose focus of God's presence. That was the Israelite story. They lost focus again and again. That was their story. We cannot let it become our story. So friends, the road is long. The road is long. It is difficult. It is full of distractions. Distractions are everywhere. It's a long road. So our faith must be rooted on the promise that God is with us. And it must be sown with a deep conviction that God is here. God is here. So point two, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. So three times in this passage, the Lord declares that he is with his people. It's repeated again and again. So what does this mean? Okay, what, what are the implications of this presence? Well, in Scripture, we see that He is present everywhere, at all times, in all places, but we also see that the Lord is uniquely present among His people. He's uniquely present among His people. So let's look at, let's look at these two, okay? okay? So before we, we get to God's unique presence among His people, we can, we can consider His presence generally. We can consider it generally. Generally. And it's really necessary to understand this. So we hear terms like omnipresence or eminence, but I'll simply just say God's general presence. And His presence is this, the, the fact that God is here, and where God is present, there is all of God. If where God is present, we get all of God's love and justice, His holiness, His mercy, His power, you name it. Wherever it is, no division, all of God, everywhere, at all times. With complete authority, with complete control. With complete authority and control, complete sovereignty. So when we say that God is uniquely present among his people, okay, we, we don't mean that God changes somehow. But it's more of a relational statement. It's, we're just saying that God relates to his people differently. Oh, that's beautiful. He relates to his people differently. So I do, I think this is important to say. I think this is important to say about God's presence, that, that our culture wages war on the reality of God's existence. That our culture wages war on the reality of existence. You can, you know, I'll say this and you'll hear the yes and amen, we know it, we're on top of it. But I really believe that it can affect us in more ways than we think. I believe it can affect us more ways than we think. There's just, there's so many distractions around us, so many ideas, there's such, there's such an emphasis on the material things, on the visible things, that we might forget about the spiritual and the invisible, that we distracted in a foreign land. So my favorite theologian, Francis Schaeffer, he says this uh, in commenting about these, these ideas. He says that, Surely this is one of the greatest and perhaps the greatest reason for a loss of Christian reality. That while we say we believe one thing, we allow the spirit of the naturalism of the age to creep into our thinking unrecognized. We say we believe one thing, but we allow the spirit of the naturalism of our age, the thinking of the world, the thinking of the culture around us, creep in slowly into our thinking unrecognized. So Christianity, we have to get this, that Christianity affirms a supernatural world, a world that is both visible and invisible to us. This, is, of course, is not some, you know, anti-scientific thing, okay? Praise God for the advancements we've made and what we've learned about His creation. But we must make sure on a day-to-day basis that we have functional categories and reminders that there is an invisible world out there, too. In Ephesians 6, even, Paul affirms that there is a spiritual battle that is waging war against us. And I can think of no greater scheme of the enemy that is meant to distract Christians, that is meant to distract people of God than to get us to doubt the existence of God and the existence of the spiritual altogether. We have to be aware that there is a battle. There is more going on than what we see. We must be convinced that the Lord is present. We must be convinced. So with that said, let's, let's turn to the, one of the sweetest truths in Scripture. One of the sweetest truths in Scripture is that God is present among His people. God's presence among his people, that promised presence. So there's a theologian named John Frame, and I like his definition of God's presence among his people. He, he describes this unique presence like this. He says that this presence, then, means that God commits himself to us. God commits himself to us. To be our God and to make us his people. He delivers us by his grace and rules us by his law. And he rules not only from above, but also with us and within us. You see, God's unique presence is his commitment to his people. Oh, that's beautiful. He is our God. We are his people. Just let that sink in. We are his people. He is the good shepherd. We are his sheep. He is your father. You are his child. And I'm a new dad. Okay, I'm a new dad. We have a seven-month-old. And, oh, man, speaking from a different perspective as a father, to see God as my father and we are his kids, that puts it in a whole new perspective. That's beautiful imagery. We are his children. His children. He's our father. He loves you, Christian, and he declares that he is committed to you. He promises his presence to you. And so what's more than this too, we can also note in our passage in verse 9, Okay, we can use the language, or look at the language used for God. Don't overlook these names. Don't overlook these names. It's the Lord. The Lord your God. The Lord. As it is used here, this is the covenant name for God. This is the covenant name for God for his people, Yahweh the great I am, the God who is there, the God who is, the God who brought this people out of the land of Egypt. That is Joshua's God. That is the God of the people of Israel and Christian. That is your God. That promised presence is yours in Christ. It is yours in Christ. And I want to trace that out. I Ultimately, this divine presence, this divine presence is a theme on which the story of Scripture hinges. It's the story of God raising up a people for his own, for his own glory and dwelling with these people. God God creates and God redeems in order to reside in a place with a people who enjoy his presence forever enjoy his presence forever. And in Christ, we are those people. You are those people. God redeems for a relationship. He wants to dwell with you. He wants to dwell with you. But of course, we see this hinted at in verse 8 here when it's talking about the law, that, that we're reminded to be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. This is not something we can do. This is not something that we can do perfectly. And as we've noted, it's noticed, in the presence of God can be problematic for us in more ways than one. God in his justice demands holy people, but like the Israelites just like the israelites we are sinful we enter a foreign land we get distracted and we lose sight of god we lose sight of god but be encouraged because god never loses sight of his people god never loses sight of his people he promised his presence in a covenant he dwelled with israel in the ark and then in the temple and then, in the miracle of all miracles, he dwelled with us in the incarnate Christ, making known the reality of his presence to all people through Christ. God made flesh, walking among his people, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, given by God because he loved the world, dying on a cross for our sin and offering salvation to all who believe. And friends, it doesn't even end there. It doesn't end there. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. He sends his Spirit to dwell in us. The very presence of God dwelling in you. Our bodies are now temples of the living God filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit who is a guarantee of what is to come. And what is to come is the redemption of God's people at the end of the age when we finally experience this presence, when we finally experience this promised presence in full, when things are made right, when ultimately, as we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, that the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. See, we've been promised a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have been promised a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's Hebrews 12. Hebrews 13 tells us to be content with what we have, to be content with what he have, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you so we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Jesus, or Joshua, Joshua received these promises, these promises here in this book. Joshua received these promises, and he looked back on God's faithfulness to the Israelites, and even though Joshua faced a long road ahead, he believed in the promises of God, and he believed that God was with him. We receive these promises, the promises of God being with us, that's our promise. We receive this promise. And friends, we can look back at the person and work of Christ, and now we can even look forward to the end of the age. And even though we too face a long road ahead, we too believe the promises of God and his word. So Joshua, Joshua here, he could only look back. We can look back, we can look forward, we can look to Christ, we can even look at the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, and we can know better than Joshua ever did the reality of the presence of the Lord with his people and the depths of the meaning of God's presence with his people. And what promises are these? If Joshua could walk in confidence because he believed the Lord was with him, how much more can we walk in confidence because we believe the Lord is with us? So what does this mean for our day-to-day lives what does this mean for our day-to-day lives well friends what this means is to be strong and courageous for the lord your god is with you wherever you go if the lord promises he will do it and you can be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, this is, this is our promise. This is a promise that we cling to regardless of how we feel, regardless of what lies ahead. This is a promise that we must fight to believe regardless of what we're told, regardless of what we see. And this is a promise that ultimately we must remind ourselves of daily regardless of any distractions. We must remind ourselves that the Lord is with us. Okay, so let's get, let's get a little bit more specific here. What, what about our heart? What about our minds? Let's think about it. Think with me. So you don't feel the presence of God. It could be you. You, you don't feel the presence of God. It doesn't feel like God is near. Okay, that does merit a bigger conversation, but, but let me at least say this. This is, this is why I'm trying to help build a theology of God's presence, because sometimes we aren't going to feel God's presence. Sometimes we are just not gonna feel God's presence. We're gonna feel distant, we're gonna feel like he's not here. And friends, it's in those times, maybe you're in it now, it's in those times that we have to fight to believe the promises of God. You have to fight to believe the promises of God. This goes for, this goes for everything. This goes for everything, okay? So, so think, what are, what are you going through now? What are your struggles now? Think with me. Is it doubts? Is it sorrow? Is it the death of a loved one or family member a close friend is it is it anxieties whatever they are any kind of anxiety pressure at work about your faith whatever it is what are you going through my friend whatever it is here is strength here is strength in this word so what are you facing think about it what are you facing is it is it opposition to your faith is it do you have a burden do you have a burden to speak the gospel to a loved one or to a friend, and you're, you're scared to do it, but the burden's there? My friend, if that's you, here is courage. Here is courage. One pastor said this. He said that there is nothing more essential for the people of God than to hear their God repeating to them amid all there's changing circumstances saying, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. There is nothing more essential for the people of God than to hear their God repeating to them again and again in the midst of all their circumstances that I will be with you. And I will not forsake you. That's so encouraging. So you might, you might not feel it. You might not feel it. your assurance does not rest on your feelings. It rests on the promises of God. It rests on the promises of God. We've got to get that. Your assurance doesn't rest on how you're feeling today, doesn't rest on how you're thinking today, but your assurance rests on his word. It rests on the promises of God. This is what you turn to, not to your feelings. This is what you turn to. We combat our wayward hearts and our minds with the very promises of God. Our strength, our courage, all those things spring from His presence, from His Word, His promises. And really, too, think about it. The presence of God should also bring joy and happiness. It should also bring joy and happiness. When we read this, we have to leave rejoicing. We have to leave happy. It's an amazing thing to think that God dwells with us, because this leads, this leads to a great freedom in life, a freedom in life without any fear for the Christian. Fears of, freedom from fears about salvation or judgment or even just other people and trials, things that we face. There's, there's a freedom, there's a happiness, there's a joy in all things. The Lord is with you. That is a cause for rejoicing, that is a cause for rejoicing, his presence, his way of living, walking in fellowship with him. It is a beautiful, it's a beautiful and happy thing. Oh, it's a beautiful and happy thing. That's where true contentment is. That's where true contentment is. So we can also ask, too, that's our, that's our heart and our mind, the things that we're thinking, but what about our actions? Okay, what about our actions? I just simply want to ask you, brothers and sisters, I just want to ask you, how would we live if we actually believed and acted like God was here? How would we live if we actually believed and acted like God was here? You see, for many, oftentimes myself, man, the things that that we say, The thoughts that we have, what we look at, what we do with our friends, what we do when no one is watching, all of that would change if we actually believed that God was here, if we believed this promise. If we realized God is here, all that would change. So man, God's, God's presence has profound implications for our lives, profound implications for our lives. So I'll end with this. I'll end just with a quick story about myself. Uh, When I was younger, when I was younger, I I struggled with anxiety, really struggled with anxiety, Uh, like elementary, early middle school. Sometimes those were tough years for me because of this anxiety, this reoccurring anxiety. You know, I would have these like these panic attacks, Uh, maybe that word's too strong, but they were they were like these these moments of just just anxiety, nervousness, panic. Sometimes they're just out of the blue, you know, sometimes they're they're just due to doubts or maybe just being in strange places in front of people, you know, whatever the case. I would just kind of get anxious, fearful. And I remember it was about fifth grade. It was about fifth grade that my mom gave me a necklace. And it was a small shield, and on the back of it was engraved Joshua 1 9. That verse was engraved on there. And I carried this thing around with me wherever I went. I carried that necklace with me wherever I went. I never actually wore it, I don't actually wear necklaces. I don't know why she got me a necklace. But from that moment, Every time I was anxious, I would read that verse, I would pray, and from then on, it was a promise of God that I would cling to again and again and again. And I just, I love that imagery. I love that imagery. It's a mother passing down the word of God to her child, teaching the next generation the way of the Lord. I mean, that's how it's done. One person passing it on to another, just passing it on, passing it on. And I want to continue to pass it on to you. And I want to continue to pass it on to you. Because when you believe it, oh man, it changes everything. It changes everything. So church, that is my prayer for you. And that's my encouragement to you today. Is to be strong and courageous. Oh church, be strong and courageous. Leave here being strong and courageous. Do not be frightened Do not be dismayed, because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, wherever you go. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you, God, I pray that these these words, the promise of your presence to your people, God, let that resonate in our hearts and in our minds I pray that as we leave here, Lord, that's something we think about and that we ponder, oh, Lord, and that we delight in and dwell and rejoice in your presence with your people. What a beautiful truth. What a beautiful thing that you would dwell with your people. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Oh, we love you. We thank you that you are here. In your precious name we pray, Amen.